it's super important uh, to really focus in on how you can, one, let go of those limiting beliefs and those sort of old negative beliefs about what patients will or won't do. And two, that we like really learned secondary to the mindset is we really learned to shift into a, a mindset of curiosity about people instead of judgment about people. It's actually important to the patient care and into delivering their ideal result to help them proceed while we have them, not like you let us know when you're ready. Yeah. So, uh, so let's part, a huge part of the process is defining what the end goal is, actually. To me, there's a real art in getting it to the point where you're talking about a large sum of money where it doesn't feel contrived on the team member side and where patients aren't perceiving a contrived conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Full Arch Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more Full Arch cases so you can grow the way that you want to. But to grow the way that you want, you have to be able to get a yes in the chair. And today I have Genevieve Poppy with me. And she recently, she's from Wisconsin. She recently sent me some cheese curds and we were just spent 15 minutes talking about cheese curds, but I promise that's not what we're going to talk about today. Today, three things that we're going to cover today. Number one, case acceptance mindset that you must have to actually be able to win the, the case is over. Number two is case acceptance process. And then lastly is sealing the deal. So first of all, Genevieve, thank you so much for the cheese curds. Thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And um, in a future date, we can do an entire podcast on cheese curds. I'm, I think I after qualified. tasting them, I think we could probably talk through that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> let's jump right into case acceptance mindset, because I think well, a lot of times doctors and even people who are presenting the treatment, they start with, what am I going to say rather than yes. why am I saying it? And I think if you don't get the why down, then the what doesn't really matter. I completely agree. And I, I like to always set the stage for this because it's so important. I can give teams the exact words that I say when I'm presenting a treatment plan. But if I do not have them in the right headspace and the right way of thinking about it, they're not as successful as teams who've, who've got the right mindset about it. And I always right. say it's really no more important to know how to feel than it is what to say, right? Like if we're thinking about it the right way, the words don't have to be as perfect. And um, a really big component of that that case acceptance mindset that I work with people on is is not preparing for the worst case scenario. Um, I tell people all the time that while I have good words and I think I'm a good communicator, I'm pretty good at closing cases. The main thing that I have going for me in, in my process is that I 100% believe they're going to hey. right. Like I I believe that that patient didn't go through the process of responding to an ad and calling the office and getting scheduled and paying money oftentimes to come in and get a game plan because they didn't want to do it. Yeah. Hey, I got a secret for you. Dental marketing agencies are dead. You got that right. Dental marketing agencies aren't performing the way that they used to because there's so much more complications to growing a dental office than just getting a marketing company. At SMC, we are passionate about being a growth partner and helping your practices grow the way that you want. And we have a free newsletter that goes out every single month at dentalmarketingdigest.com. If you sign up, it's free. And there's over a thousand practices that are already getting these free tips. You don't want to miss out. Sign up now. Links below. Right. Like that doesn't make sense. (laughs) They want us to help them figure out how they can do it. And I just don't think we operate from a place of how 
right at the beginning. I think we start in our industry with like a giant if, and then we prepare our conversations around the worst case scenario. That one time that one patient got mad about that one thing. And then we just, we try to build these conversations that prevent the worst case scenario yeah. Unfortunately, this is where you get a lot of right about it. You yeah. get a lot of terminologies like these were all shoppers or these are people who aren't really interested in treatment. And I always yes. just snap back at people like, so there's people out there that are taking hours out of their day to come to the dental office just to play mm-hmm. games with you. Like, who are these people? That is wild. Like, <laughs> right? Like, I, I can't I, imagine that. We genuinely believe in the industry, like, that there are patients calling around to make a spreadsheet of how much a crown costs at every office. Yeah. And that is not the case at all. But we label people with these big worst case scenarios. And then we call them these people. We call our marketing company and say, can you stop giving us Google patients? And we <laughs> label you, people. Yeah. And, you know, if we go into these conversations in these appointments with that assumption about people that they just want to know how much it is and they, you know, that's just not going to get us where we need to be. So at the basis of any um, case acceptance process or verbiage training that I do, I really always start with, are we thinking about this the right way? Let's like, let's abandon the way we've thought about this for so long and eliminate the idea that there is any such thing as these people. Yeah. You know, I work with practices all over the country. And I have yet to see a population that I would describe as these people. Like, I haven't come across 10 yeah. yet. And that's not to say, just to be fair, because I already know people are listening to this and they're like, you don't know. I've actually talked to these people and they're horrible. That's 10%, 5% of the population. And the, the right. best way I've ever heard it, it broke down is that if you went out to Central Park on a hot sunny yes. day, it's 100 degrees, and you give away free vanilla ice cream to everybody, it's free. Yeah, just a matter of time until someone comes in and complains that you don't have strawberry, you don't have chocolate, right? Even though it was free, yes, that's just that's just uh, laws of average. So there are people out there that are a pain in the butt, and there may be even some psychos out there, right? That, but that, but that's not the majority. And if you're coming at the majority with the mindset that they're part of that minority, that's what Correct. that's what really sets you up for a trap to fail, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. I- of course, there's always difficult people, and there's it's that preparing for the worst. It's applying our skills and our conversations and our explanations to overcome these worst case scenarios. And with carrying this belief that people, anybody who asks a price question at the beginning only cares about money, you know, like attaching these deep beliefs to a single question. It's, it's super important uh, to really focus in on how you can one, let go of those limiting beliefs and those sort of old negative beliefs about what patients will or won't do. And two, that we like really learned secondary to the mindset is we really learned to shift into a, a mindset of curiosity about people instead of judgment about people. Mm. And that's an important distinction because very ironically, I mean, here's the thing, especially we're talking about full, full large cases, right? You know this. We, we have offices that we work with that put in great amounts of money to attract full large cases, Right. And I have been in these very offices where in the huddle, they are describing these patients with significant high needs, the very thing we're marketing for, in very negative terms. I was in an office once where a doctor called them train wrecks. Oh, this person's a train wreck. And this is it. <laughs> we can't say we want to do this kind of dentistry 
and then attach personal judgment to those patients yeah. in their situation. Because because and and I think that most doctors don't realize what they're doing to their team when you do that because they don't. you're you're silently telling them, you're giving them cues not Before to get these people for you anymore and to filter them out. And is yes. it uh, where I've seen it in GP offices too. They it probably mm-hmm. happens in full arch too. Um oh uh oh we got another blue cross blue shield patient into the office. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you're marketing for that. And it's like, Correct. so now the office stops letting those through the gate. Yes. Yeah. It's a really unintentional impact when these doctors just vent of, because of the reality is, is with a lot of patients in this type, type of need present is somewhat difficult patients. Mm-hmm. They just do. Yeah. They're, they have a lot of anxiety. They have had a lot of choices and experiences up until this point that make them come across as not the perfect patient out of the gate. But if we vent and mumble about that, yeah, to our team, I mean, it's Especially really, it's really an unclear. It's unclear communication, is what it is. It's you're communicating, yeah. but you're doing it unclearly. So that way, then the team is putting up gates and blockers. And I love your whole session around screening versus judging. Now Absolutely. let's let's move into case acceptance process. So you're going to do a whole mm-hmm. presentation around this. Walk us through what does that mean? The case acceptance process, right? Well, I think. For a lot of people, it's just defining one to begin with, right? Like a lot of people operate without one entirely. And I, I'm not of the belief that the same process works the same for every practice, right? There we have different types of practices mm-hmm. incorporating this type of dentistry. And so I, you know, I'll be walking through multiple ways that you can build a process, but really it's just sort of defining that we have the right people in the right seats and and what those people are empowered to do and and actually sounds silly, but creating the clear expectation that we're not just giving patients information at the end of it, that the end goal of these appointments is to schedule them. And while that seems like blatantly obvious on the outside, a lot of dental teams don't operate with that uh, understanding at all. It's never been put to them that way. Yeah, They're actually taught, like, you just present the information and we'll be here when they're ready. Yeah, And, you know, they're, we're almost proud of that approach. The, the unfortunate thing is, especially when it comes to full arch, these are these are patients with very significant needs. Their chicken out factor is high. Yeah. Right. Like they're if we don't help them get going on it, there's a chance that they might not get going on it. Yeah. Or they might wait another five or 10 years to call somebody back. Yeah. And so it's actually important to the patient care and into delivering their ideal result to help them proceed while we have them. Not like you let us know when you're ready. Yeah. So, uh, so let's, part, a huge part of the process is defining what the end goal is. Actually, that's huge. Yeah, and I love the roles, uh, right people, right seat. And and like I'll give an example. Like you mm-hmm. are a GP office, and you're wanting to do full arch, and so you're like, oh, we'll have the office manager do the treatment coordinating, and it's like, yeah, maybe right. Like, but that might also mm-hmm. be a big problem. Or we'll have our treatment coordinator who does all of our thousand dollar and below cases right now. We'll have them just jump into the seat, and we're going to kill it. Probably not, right. right? Right. And maybe they will, but certainly we need to define that it's not at all the same approach. It's not the same conversation. Like your knowledge of their delta dental maximum and downgrades on posterior composites is is not going to do you any good in this conversation. I love when you right. just absolutely just flex all your muscle, your dental muscle on people. Like it's exact. <laughs> it's like, nope, doesn't matter that you know that. It's not even, it just doesn't even come. In fact, if you bring it up, it's probably going to lose, you're going to lose the deal. For sure. 
Yeah, it, it's actually really hard for seasoned dental people to make their language as simple as it needs to be for these cases. And that uh, and that goes back to like your um, the pitfalls of educating of of yeah. instead of telling them here's the end result and you're gonna have your beautiful smile and you're gonna be able to eat. We're like teaching them about things that they don't even understand the words that you're saying. Yes, we're talking components and process and yeah, it's. Uh, it it comes especially on the treatment coordinator side or when we're talking more that front office side of things. I find that that really comes out of a place of insecurity and discomfort. We just recycle back to talking what we know about, what we're confident in, uh, instead of just you know leaving it as okay. So we need to figure out how we're going to take care of the sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like it, that's really as simple as this conversation needs to be. Yeah. I'm pretty confident I can say, you know, I'll get $1,500 out of Delta for you. Even if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll take <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll take, take it out of something else. I'll, yeah. Yeah. So if that's it, what it takes to get a thick $60,000, $80,000 deal done. So simple, right? right? But, but nobody's given them permission to do that. No, there are no. no training. and Or they've gotten the wrong training. I just interviewed somebody who does 80 cases, 70, 80 cases a month, full arch. And wow. she, she's just like, I've been to all the courses and a lot of them focused so much on the money that they're actually setting a lot of people up for failure and just making everything about money instead yes. of, Hey, you need this treatment. Here's what the end of your life is. This is what your life's going to look like when you get this treatment and figuring out the money is just a component of getting you there. That's, that's really it. I, I know there are a lot of courses and there's a lot of emerging coursework in the uh, real sales sales techniques being put into dentistry, and I'm not opposed to that. I think our dentist our industry needs to get comfortable with sales as a component. Yeah. The problem is that most dental people are are really going to resist that approach. It's, yeah. It was going to feel so outside of their comfort zone. <laughs> and the reality is, is to be really good at it, you have to be kind of in the middle. I, I think you yeah. have to just be a really good relator. You have to be a good listener and understand that that conversation. Well, it's hard to script. It is hard to script. <laughs> it's hard, and it's to, not just that, it's hard to give a perfect script that works all the time. Also, doctors do not want to be known as car salesmen. We, I know that for 100% for sure. And so everything that we've built, just even market ourselves, we always educate. Yeah. We don't ask. We don't, we don't do hard closes. All of our sales process is education. And there's a reason for that is because the second the dentists get hard closed on stuff, they absolutely hate it. And they, yes. and they don't ever want to turn into that. And honestly, a lot of sales is hard close, hard close, hard close. And so right. that I, I love that you are not of that mindset. And then the last thing that you have, even though it's kind of, kind of alludes to what I was just talking about, yeah, sealing the deal, like actually getting the patient to say yes. And walk me through like, what's your mindset? Why is that like a pillar in your presentations? Right. Because a lot of times I can kind of put out process and put out mindset. And yet um, where we fail to kind of pull it all together is at the end where I don't want to leave it so soft just to say we're not hard sell, right? We have to find this cert. What I try to teach teams to get to is overcoming an initial objection, like just one attempt. I, I, we don't have to arm twist. We don't have to turn into like the weird timeshare presentation where we lead them into another room and try to sell it again. Can't leave, yeah. Take your driver's right? license <laughs> and your car keys and you can't yeah, leave. Exactly. Holding them hostage. It was only supposed to take an hour. But what I watch all the time is that as soon as, because we're, we're so used to that if conversation instead of a how conversation, 
as soon as we get one pushback, we're like, okay, well, just let us know. We, we don't even attempt, even try to overcome the single first objection. And a lot of times it's a very easy one to do. Yep. A lot of times, one, it's money, or we didn't set them up to tell us that comfortably. Yeah. Right? So if we're getting to that, I think it's really important that we, when we get people who are at, who've done all of this hard work on the front end, when we get them to the, I'll think about it, or I'll look at my schedule, or I'll talk to my husband phase, right? We know nobody's asking their husband. Yeah. <laughs> but hardly anybody. Yeah. Better, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, their spouse knew they were coming to this visit, you know, like they're in a place where they're ready to proceed. Mm -hmm. So uh, one, it's important to just serve people up with the type of conversations that produce um, the opportunity for people to tell us what's wrong in a very easy and natural way without it feeling on the spot, without it feeling like there, there's verbiage out there that, that's like, what would be the thing that would stop you from proceeding today? And that's super uncomfortable and like no dental team is going to say it first of all because it feels very forward yeah. and two it's it starts to feel that hard sell thing for patients and nobody wants to feel that in something this vulnerable yeah so it's really kind of shifting more to like you know uh, i like to use the words how does that sound mm. right like after i get it all out i like how does that sound in a pause which allows them to say what's in their guts not formulate it into a perfect sentence, right? If mm -hmm. I'm just say it sounds awesome, but I don't know how I'm ever going to afford this. Yeah. That sets me up to say, um, that's what I'm here to help you figure out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, or, or all of our patients go through that. This is, yeah. this is part of the process. Of course. One of the it's steps a huge, the, it's yeah. a huge investment, you know, and we can sit in that with them and not make it weird. So to me, there's a real art in getting it to the point where you're talking about a large sum of money where it doesn't feel contrived on the team member side and where patients aren't perceiving a contrived conversation. And, you know, we, I really just try to get teams to the point of confidence where they will overcome one objection. They'll give it one shot because that's 80% of the time that's all it takes is just getting over that first hump. But so much of the time I see it get all the way to that point of where there's an initial hold up and then we just don't even try at it. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. Well, this we is give them a financing brochure and say, call us when you're ready. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, if you're leaving, if you're if if that's how you're closing these full arches is because you don't want to be the other end of the opposite end, then okay. you're just not going to be successful. And don't waste your yep. money on marketing. Don't waste your money on consultants. Don't waste your money on new equipment. Don't even bother. Just yeah. stay with what you currently have because that's part of the process. Be you're you're it's much more yeah. expensive treatment and people are going to be uncomfortable a little bit and someone has to walk them through that that journey absolutely i yeah. love it we have some clients or potential clients that get stuck and we're like look i don't think marketing is right for you at this point but genevieve can come in and kind of look at your practice and see if there's some things that she might be able to help you with or, or at least start thinking through things in a different way um how how could you help our audience if someone listens to this and goes I think I'm that person. I think I need help with some of the processes before um, before I start marketing. H how can they reach out to you and get a hold of you? Yeah, you can find me online pretty easily. It's poppypracticemanagement.com. Poppy's like my last name, P-O-P-P-E. Um, I'm also like the only Genevieve Poppy on Facebook. And you definitely are. Finally reclaimed my LinkedIn as well. Yes. So. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you got that back. You're going to find me of multiple ways. Um, but yeah, there's pretty easy to just book a quick call with me and, um, you know, we can troubleshoot and make a game plan together. Awesome, John. I love your approach. I love how it, it, that there isn't just an answer that's going to fix it. It's 
walking through and actually building a process. And that's super helpful to not only the people that you work with, but it makes it easy for you to listen to you because you know that like, hey, here's a loose skeleton framework, but you're going to have to glue the pieces together to make it work for your practice. I absolutely love that. Makes me, if I understand it, I know the rest of the audience can understand it. So thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.